0: This is episode 560 of the Juicebox Podcast. I am uh, I'm impressed with myself. If you all knew me personally, you would be amazed that I've done this, honestly, that I didn't like, you know, get like five minutes into it. I was like, oh, there's a lot of work. Oddly not like me, but maybe it is now. Eh, who knows? Live, learn, right? Grow, change, etc. Friends, today I'm back with another episode of the Diabetes Variable Series with Jenny Smith. Today's topic, as you saw in your podcast player, is sleep. Jenny and I will talk all about sleep and how that is a variable for your type 1 diabetes management. While we're doing that, you'll remember that nothing you hear on the Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. And further, you'll remember to consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan. Or becoming bold with insulin. Jenny Smith is a guest on the podcast, but she has a real job at integrateddiabetes.com where she helps people with their diabetes in exchange for funds and goods as capitalism works. Integrateddiabetes.com. Ask for Jenny. Now that I'm thinking about what I just said, I don't think you can exchange goods for services with Jenny. But I mean, you could ask. Offer her a sofa. See if she'll help you with your basal insulin. Are you a U.S. citizen who has type 1 diabetes or a U.S. citizen who is the caregiver of someone with type 1? Please, if you are, go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. Take the quick survey, help the podcast, help people living with type 1 diabetes. I want to put the ad right here because I don't like splitting up shorter episodes. But that's not what Contour Next One paid for. But I feel like they'd be okay with it if you guys promised just to listen to the ad. Okay. All right, you promise to listen, and I'll do this so that you get an interrupt, an inner, an inner, I was gonna say an uninterrupted, in- I meant an uninterrupted episode with Jenny and I. Now, this is this, uh, it's a clunky start, but watch how I finish. The Contour Next One blood glucose meter is top shelf. To understand, it is super duper accurate, incredibly easy to use, and easy to hold and transport. This means it fits in your pocket, it fits in your purse. Anywhere you need to keep your gear, the contour next one slides right in and doesn't get in the way. It also has an incredibly bright light for, you know, when you're sleeping and it's dark. Boom! it lights up like a thing from a movie that we can't say because I think it's copyright infringement. Uh, And uh, uh, it allows the room to glow. It's as if heavenly light has shone down upon your finger. You strike it with a lance. Click, click. Blood comes out. You take the contour next one meter, put in the strip, touch the strip to the blood. Oh, is it not enough blood? No big deal. The strip has a second chance feature. Just get a little more blood, squeeze, 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 and go back and hit it again. You have not ruined the test strip by doing that or ruined the accuracy of the test. Second chance test strips from the contour next one blood glucose meter. I mean, what will they think of next? Also, the screen is incredibly easy to read. And if you would like to pair your meter to a a rockin'... Who is sending me goddamn text messages in the middle of the... What? Hold on. All right, I'm back. Sorry about that. If you want to pair the meter to an app, Contour Next One has a really terrific app too. So you can use it with or without the app. Last thing I want to say is that... Well, you know, I want to say two last things. So uh, last thing, like, let's call it 1A. I want to say is that I'm always afraid that when I talk about second chance test strips, that you'll think, oh, this thing must need so much blood. But it it doesn't. It needs a a very little bit. It's not a big blood drop that you need. I'm just saying that if for some reason you don't get quite enough, you can go back and get more. Okay, last part. Go to contournext.com forward slash juice box. Sincerely, I'm not just trying to drive you to a link. Well, I am. (laughs) I, I really want you to go to the link. But that's not the point. There's a lot of information at the link. So, if you really want to understand all this, contournext.com forward slash juicebox. And I'm just going to finish with this. There are a lot of you walking around with subpar meters. It's not necessary. You're already paying the money. You're paying the money for the meter. You're paying the money for the strips. You might as well get a good one contournext.com forward slash juicebox. Get yourself a blood glucose meter that equals your effort. You're trying, right? You need good information back from your gear. Jenny, can we do sleep as a variable for managing insulin? Um, I don't know. I don't have a lot of feeling about this, honestly. It's not one of the things that I've noticed, but maybe I'm not looking hard enough. And when people send in variables for the list, sleep, sleep deprivation, uh, getting good sleep versus getting bad sleep, like broken and unbroken, everybody uh, sent that in as a variable. So I don't understand why that would impact anything.
1: Well, you know, overall, sleep provides a lot in terms of recovery and build of like cellular sort of restructuring and whatnot in the overnight time period, right? That's, we're supposed to get these waves of, light sleep, deep sleep, etc., that help our body to actually then recoup and be ready for another day. When it comes in terms of type 1 management, that's one of the biggest things that most people say is, I just want better sleep. The daytime I can struggle through, manage through. If I've had good sleep overnight, I can deal with the daytime management. So from one, sleep deprivation can lead to poor overall management because you don't have as much with all that we have to manage in today's world beyond our diabetes. That's another layer that we have to consider. And if you haven't slept well, you're not going to be thinking as clearly, right? On another level, though, there are a lot of different hormones that are regulated through the sleep cycle that have relation to appetite and the turn-on, the turn-off of appetite during the daytime. And so for someone, again, managing diabetes, if you are not sleeping well, it is very likely that some of those hormones that are supposed to be being managed for then transitioning into what you're craving and able to manage in terms of your intake through the course of the day, those are not going to be regulated the right way either. So okay. there's a lot to sleep that does translate into diabetes management.
0: All right. So the one, the one thing that popped into my head when I saw this as a variable, was that I thought I, for sure, had heard that shift work could be bad for people in a way that I never expected. Like it could make you more. The way I looked it up, it says shift work can have an adverse effect on type two diabetes it can also put a person at higher risk of developing type two, type 2 in the first place shift work particularly that involving overnight and varying shifts can make it more difficult to manage glucose levels it doesn't it doesn't really go on but i re, i just remembered hearing that that there's something about the is it this? circadian rhythm. It's
1: the circadian rhythm really. Um, And I, it's interesting because I just attended um, the ADA scientific sessions um, with our virtual conference. Um, But some of the sessions that I did um, attend were specific to the circadian rhythm and sleep and appetite and um, weight management, which does relate to much more into type two, but is also a realm of something that many people with type one try to manage really well too, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So in terms of what they found is those who had a much more stable daytime structured schedule and they slept overnight, even if the sleep was not as good, but they had their normal sleep time in the overnight time where typical circadian rhythm kind of is meant to be. Um, They found that people had better weight management Uh and had better glucose control right the other piece to it was that with shift work in the picture schedules are often very disrupted with shift work it's not often that people have um consistent enough schedule with a shift. Like I think of many of the nurses that I've worked with who have some shifts in some weeks that are an overnight shift then they've got several days off and then they go to a daytime shift mm-hmm. and then they've got several days off and then they go back to like the evening or the overnight shift. Right. That's a complete disruption right. to what your body is even trying to set as, as some type of stable schedule. Yeah. It just, it doesn't happen. Um, so in terms of like all management, it's really hard to then get a grasp on insulin doses mm-hmm. and or even use of medication and food intake gets disrupted. Now you're eating at two o'clock in the morning because that's technically your lunch hour. When in four days from now, your lunch is going to be back at 12 or one o'clock. Okay.
0: And that, you know I remember we've talked about that before too. That that actually still impacts things like feet on the floor and stuff like that too. Like if you wake up at three o'clock in the morning, suddenly that feet on the floor impact is happening at that time of the day. Absolutely. And there's all that other stuff. That's really fascinating. I mean I
1: in terms of that, I even remember noticing that myself if I would get up overnight for more than just a tuck a kid back in bed and then go back to bed myself, five minutes, I didn't get that impact. But if I was up with a fussy child or if for nursing overnight or something like that and I was up for enough of a period of time, I definitely saw that happen when budget. otherwise overnights were flat.
0: You know, I was just thinking about, have you ever been, like, gotten sick or exhausted and you fall asleep in the middle of the day and the sun's up and you're in a deep sleep?
1: Really? When does that happen? Well, you know, you, <laughs> I'm on, kidding. Just, just
0: remember back. To, like, there had to have happened to it at one point. And you wake up Three at, kids? like, 7 o'clock at night and it's dark. And it's the kind of dark where you're like, it could be midnight. It could be 2 a.m. I don't know what time it is. And you can't. It gives you that really horrible, strange feeling of like you don't know where you are. It feels very disorienting, yes. right? Yes. And the only time, the only way to fix it is to go back to sleep and wake up with the sun again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's. Uh, I, I. I have it here. Just. Us. Uh, uh, is it circadian? A circadian. Circadian. A mm-hmm. circadian rhythm or circadian cycle is a natural internal process that regulates the sleep-wake cycle and repeats. Roughly every 24 hours, it can refer to any process that originates with an organism. Okay, we don't care about that part, but the other thing there. Um, and the only way I can relate to this, and I've had someone on recently to talk about it, is that I am very steadfastly eating within a uh, an intermittent fasting schedule. And that mm-hmm. has really made a, a vast improvement on how I feel. Um, you know, when I spoke to Jen Stevens about it on the podcast, she was talking about You know, just pick a, she talked about it as an eating window, not as like, Mm -hmm. she didn't think of it as fasting as much. And so I'm just pretty much sticking to an eight hour window. Yep. She told me if I take my window down to fewer hours, I'll start losing weight. And I haven't gotten to that part yet. I was waiting for the kids to go back to school. So we're getting up to that now. I'm going to shorten the window up a little bit. But basically, basically, I'm not eating after the sun goes down. I'm 11 to seven ish. I'm trying to eat around in that situation. And um, one of the things she talked about is how why does that work for people for weight loss? And she said it it lessens your need for insulin, so your body goes through big portions of the day where you're not your body's not calling for insulin. Like it's the opposite of the idea of like eat small snacks all day long. She's like, I don't like that idea because your body's always using insulin. Now she was talking about you know, people who don't have diabetes or type twos, how that could affect them. But then I realized Arden's a person who doesn't eat breakfast. So overall, like most of the time, like on a regular school day. So overall Arden's eating in an intermittent fasting window and she can fast with a stable blood sugar, like no one I've ever seen in my life. Like, you know, now that you're on the algorithm and you can see it, Arden If Arden doesn't eat for 12 hours, Arden's blood sugar is just 80. Mm -hmm. It just is. And so I don't know that all those things fit together, but I think all the ideas fit in here somehow. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the idea of being on that cycle and that your body works better in cycles and that it needs time off and time to do things. I mean, I'm obviously no expert, but all that makes sense to me somehow.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the circadian rhythm, the hormone component in the overnight time period, I mean, they are all kind of tied in along with the intermittent fasting idea. In fact, one of the other ones that I um, listened into was all about like those who did the best weight management wise, kind of from short term analysis to long term, like a year out from having lost weight. And then what's the maintenance of that in terms of their ability to maintain. And some of them were doing intermittent fasting, but they did it. I also don't really like the fasting component because you're fasting in a given time period, but you're not really just not eating right? I mean, people think of fasting as like 24 hours. You're just not eating anything. Really, you're just containing the time period. And they found that people that did intermittent fasting with breakfast being the bigger of the meal, lunch being a bit lighter, and the last meal of that time period, especially when it's eaten, I think it was before like 7 p.m., did the best with overall loss and then maintaining that loss. Compared to people who just shifted that eating time frame by about, I think it was a three hour chunk of time forward and ate later into the evening, but still within a time block that was an intermittent fasting, like I only eat within the six hour or eight hour time period. So the later eating tended to increase the risk of gaining weight back and, or just not losing as much weight. which was interesting too.
0: The reason I brought it all up is because if you're, if you're sleeping on a a pretty consistent schedule, then it makes sense that you'll be able to eat on a pretty consistent schedule. Yes.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And I mirror what you said in what I'm seeing that, um, first of all, it's easier to eat bigger in the beginning of the day because you've come out of a window where you haven't eaten for a while. Um, That is the time I am the hungriest. Like I don't, I want to know, you know, I don't, I don't wake up like I haven't eaten yet. It's 1151 and -hmm. and, um, I'm not hungry. So but I will go eat now when you and I are finished. Sure. And I will eat um, probably my larger meal of the day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's in the day. Yeah. You're not putting it in the evening when you're less likely to be up and moving and going about your business. You're not going to bed on a really full stomach that your body then has to do something digestion
0: specifically
1: in a time period that is not meant to be doing that.
0: Yeah. Which I was going to say can affect your sleep, which we're talking about. And we've talked about it in a number of other episodes, leaves your body with the task of having to work on food and digest food at a time when it's trying to take away that process to do other things. So yeah, you're basically asking your body to do something when it, was getting ready to shut down that function and do other things. Right. So don't go to bed on a full stomach. Yes. (laughs) Yeah.
1: That's an easy, easy statement to say. Easy to say, tough to do.
0: Pizza is much better in the evening. (laughs) (laughs) It's just obvious. First, I'm going to thank the Contour Next One blood glucose meter and remind you to go to contournext.com forward slash juicebox There are also links to the show notes of your podcast player and links at juiceboxpodcast.com. Thank you very much for visiting with the sponsors. I appreciate it. Thanks also to Jenny for being here. Thank you so much, Jenny. We love talking to you. At least I do. I think I'm speaking for everyone else, but in fairness, some people might hate your guts. I have no idea. Is it possible that anyone doesn't like Jenny? I don't think so. Thank you so much for listening. There are way more variables. Go check them out at juiceboxpodcast.com or right there in your podcast player. I really appreciate you listening and supporting the Juicebox Podcast. Tell a friend. That is my least favorite part of making the podcast, asking you to like, tell somebody else, don't forget to subscribe in your app. Like it's I feel like a I feel like an idiot having to say that it's like I see a YouTube video, you know, and they're like, uh, hit the bell, do the thing. And I'm like, oh, this is so sad. And then I come here and I have to do it here. And it just, it's hard to get people to listen to things and, and subscribe. And, you know, it takes so much for them to learn that the content's there and that it really might be valuable for them. So then I end up saying like, just please tell someone who else, you know, and it just, uh, I don't know, it makes me feel weird. I don't like it, but I do it because it is important. So thank you so much for listening, for supporting the show. If you know somebody else who you think might enjoy the show also, please share it with them. Show them how to start listening. Podcasts are not intuitive for everyone. Subscribe in your apps, people. I just did it. I was like, hit the bell. Ding. You know what? I haven't mentioned this in a little bit. Uh, The Facebook page is really great. No joking. Uh, Juicebox podcast, Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. It's a private group with, I think it's got like 16,000 people in it now. Everyone's talking about diabetes. It's a really uh, un-Facebook-like experience. So that is to say it's a good experience with uh, a lot of great people. Check it out.